0: You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. All right, I'm Lindsey Crosby from Locked On MLB Prospects, and I am joined by Javier Reyes of Locked On Padres. How you doing, Javi?
1: I am doing fantastic, sir. What are you doing? Feeling what are your vibes? Because the spring season is upon us, and I'm glad to talk with you again, considering that it wasn't too long ago that we had a great episode, I think, about all about Mackenzie uh, Gordon's prospect.
0: Yeah, all about It isn't the, is the first time I have done one prospect for an entire episode. It was great. I love I got yeah. great feedback on it. People it, loved it.
1: It could really, it's because it is incredible. And one of the things we talked about that one was kind of like it's so rare that someone who hasn't seen Major League action falls down in the prospect rankings that much in such Mm. a short period of time the great scheme of things from going not just like oh he was an 18 prospect to twenty. it's like no this is the number one pitching prospect basically when i started doing locked on padres which now is like nearly two years ago
0: and he fell face of the earth and now he's back in the top five i
1: think and now all of a sudden (laughs) yeah now he's kind of you know going back he had a good um outing the other day granted it was spring but still it was just nice to see him, I think, in action, delivery, and everything. So, I don't know, man. Maybe you fixed Mackenzie Gore yourself. Maybe you brought <laughs> the good vibes to the Padres people. I don't know, man.
0: If I brought the good vibes, let's keep the good vibes going, because I, the reason I wanted to talk to you today was C.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hear the Padres have an opening at shortstop for a couple weeks, <laughs> and I'd like to present to you a C.J. Abrams. Uh, oh, that's man, probably a bad soon. idea. Too that's, <laughs> that's probably a bad idea. He's got like 350 plate appearances in professional baseball, like not at the major league level in professional baseball. So he needs at bats. He needs seasoning. But like, if you know, Tatis is coming back in like what? Six weeks. Mm-hmm. Just think about
1: yeah, it. I think, I think so for me, it's, it's a couple of things. Like you said, he never really played above all that much, like double a ball. And it's just kind of like, it's 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 jumping the gun a little bit too much. And the last time mm-hmm. the Padres did this was with Luis Campizano, who they called up in 2021 at the beginning because Austin Nola got himself injured in spring training and they didn't just want to only want to carry two catchers. And he struggled mightily. And I don't think that that was necessarily his fault. He did not have enough experience in the higher levels of the minors. And on top of that, he was being like a pinch hitter in like really tough games against the Dodgers and Kenley Jansen. Like that that is like a... Like, what the heck? That's like, you know, playing Elden Ring and and someone, the only game they've ever played in their life is like Super Mario or, or like, you know, Bejeweled or something like that. And they're like, hey, try this game now. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a I'm learning just curve just there. The jewels, yeah. Where's all the stuff in the middle? There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then with CJ Abrams, I don't know if it would be quite as extreme, but it would definitely be that vibe of, oh my God, our star shortstop is hurt. Our starters hurt we have to call up this guy because the upside is so great. When in fact, you might like stunt the guy's growth and even more so than the Nola injury. You have a lot of options. I think for the Padres here, you have a lot of, especially with the DH being implemented, they trade for Luke Voight. Maybe you can bench there. Maybe move things around. Maybe Cronenworth can play first, or maybe he could play short or Hassan Kim, who I still haven't given up on yet uh because at the very least one of the better defenders uh, at the position in baseball last year which is pretty nuts so in my opinion you have jerickson profar maybe he can move around pl- stick him at second move Colonel worth to short whatever i think rushing cj arabs would be a mistake he is pretty talented and exciting i have to admit
0: yeah i mean he's he's probably the fastest player in your system he's one of the best infield defenders in your system and and you know, I was kind of joking when I say bring him up. I mean, it's something where if you had suggested it, I was going to say like let's let's slow it down a little bit, and it's something where for him it's just a matter of doing it some more. Uh, and 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 so, like my question is, once he's done enough where you feel comfortable with it and you feel him coming up, you can't ask Tatis to move off a short. So, like, yeah. how do you handle that? Like, what's the plan? Because he can be a big league shortstop. I mean. Uh, just, CJ Abrams is an MLB shortstop and an above average to plus defender at short. So like,
1: how does that work? Yeah. I think that that is really the fascinating question. That's been, it's one of those things where Padres fans kind of just were like, whatever, we'll get to it when we get there, because coming off of 2020, uh, Tatis was incredible defensively. I think that that's actually begun becomes something that's been a little bit forgotten because of his 2021 season where he started off horribly, then evened out a little bit, but not a plus defender for sure. Um, So, Now everybody's like, oh, no. And then you had him playing in right field at a point. So all the rumors, all the little whispers and whatnot on Padres Twitter and Internet and reports were like, are they doing this because they're prepping for C.J. Abrams being the shortstop, per se, of the future? By all accounts, it does not. And just the eye test does seem like Tatis would be thrilled about that. And I don't know. It is a really tricky, tricky proposition, because like I said, you've seen him be incredible before. He Mm -hmm. beams the ball to first base like a, a Goliath you know, hammer throw when he's on. And then also you see a lot of throwing errors. He zings the ball. He makes some little very easy mistakes, almost like it's not exciting enough for him, and he doesn't like just going through the motions, I guess, in Tatis. So I don't know what's going to happen. It could be interesting because, you know, and we're going to talk about this later, depending on how their outfield situation pans out in the future with guys like Myers, guys like um, whoever the heck they bring in to be their left fielder and whatnot. Like that's going to be a big question. So – I think for now, they're just taking it by ear. And depending on what happens with your Kim, with your Profar, with the current first baseman, with your Cronaworth, there's there's a lot of weirdness with this roster, Lindsay. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's actually a lot of weird... But I think it's kind of a good problem to have. I think it's good that you have a bunch of different players that you could see playing different positions for the future.
0: Yeah. It, it, the Padres kind of feel like they're doing what I do in fantasy baseball. And like everybody that I get, I want them to be able to play four or five positions just so I can feel yeah. it. If yeah. somebody's hurt, somebody misses a game. I've got guys I can move around. Um and and that's something where like in a vacuum, if you have like if you have these two players, if you have CJ Abrams, you have Tatis. Abrams is a shortstop, but I feel like it's almost a little bit of that uh, Jeter-A-Rod thing where, well, Jeter was established at short. You can't move him. Like Tatis, same thing. He's kind of established there. And you touched on one of the big differences for me between Tatis and Abrams because a lot of people like to compare those two guys. And the big thing is Tatis plays the game so full of energy, so frenetic, so quick. And when you watch C.J. Abrams, it doesn't look like he's really even trying. He's very effortless, and he's he's just very smooth with it. It's something where, where he, like he has the arm strength to make every single throw it short, but he doesn't throw it as hard as possible every single time. He uncorks just enough to get there. Uh, it it reminds me a lot of like Angelton Simmons playing defense. Same thing. And I'm not saying that that Abrams is that level of defense, but that effortless kind of low effort. You know, I'm just gonna get this ball and throw him out. Not a big deal. He doesn't get fired up about it. He doesn't. You know. He he just does it, and I think with his speed, he'd be probably one of the best defensive second basemen in in baseball. And it almost feels like you're losing something, but I get it—you can't move Tatis.
1: Yeah, I think the, the Jeter Arod thing is a great point uh, for sure. That's definitely like a kind of vibe that I get with the team. But hey, I mean, maybe based on how things have kind of gone in the last like you know month. <laughs> or I should say month, but the last like couple weeks with the motorcycle injury and everything, maybe the Pirates can going to be like, all right, no, dude, like we're not going to let like <laughs> bow down to you after all the recklessness you've been through. Maybe they're going to be like, you know what? We kind of moved you to the outfield in the first place because we want to keep you healthy. Now, apparently that that alone won't save the job. So I wonder if maybe that has some impact on how they're going to view him going in the future, just how much that they're going to want to uh, curtail their plans to him. Obviously he's the future of the franchise. This is, a potential hall of fame talent that you have with the team and it's brought mm-hmm. them back. But I am curious. I don't know. I don't know. And I think that that's easily like, if there is a question for the future, that is the number one thing on Padres fans minds right now, where it's what exactly is going on with the CJ Abrams thing. Will he play second? You know what I mean? Is that going to be the future? Well, then what happens with Colonel worth you move him to first? All right. But how do you get rid of the, it goes yeah. on and on and on. And it, it
0: cascades to the point where you have, uh a backup catcher, Jorge Alfaro, that can play in the outfield. And so (laughs) you can move so many pieces around. Pretty much the only people that are locked in, it feels like, is Machado at third. That's about it. Other than that, mm -hmm. anybody else could be anywhere else. Maybe him
1: and Grisham. Maybe Grisham, but Grisham, I could see if they got another outfield at some point. They might try and experiment with him going to left or right, maybe, because he is like one of the only plus defenders outside of Machado, uh, and maybe Cronenworth a little bit too, uh, that they have on the team. But yeah, man, it's going to be... It's going to be a blast. I don't know what's going to happen, but um, Lindsay. What? I know that people are going to want to buy this next thing that I'm going to talk about. You know why? Because it's the best. Ooh. It's the best out of everything in the land. It's the best protein bar in the world. It's built bars. They're, they're just, I have been doing this podcast for so long and I've been shouting from the mountaintops how good these things are because not only are they good, they're covering in hundred percent chocolate, soft and easy to chew, but they're also healthy for you. Check out the macros. My friend, most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. If you compare that to a candy bar that usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And on top of that, they're kind of like the Ben and Jerry's of built bars, you know, of protein bars. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? They have all sorts of flavors. They've got white chocolate cookies and cream. They got coconut almonds, coconut, mint brownie. They've got chocolate, cherry barcia, chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, which is delicious. I'm glad you said that my personal favorite is apple almond crisp. Very underrated flavor, I think. And they've always got new flavors prop it up. That's my favorite part about them. They had for Christmas, they had like eggnog and gingerbread flavors. Like they always got something for you, no matter what you want to try out. So because you guys are obviously all in on these things by now, I have a deal for you. Go to built.com. And use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Bam.
0: So we talk about all these guys on this team and how they can play everywhere. And I had a listener question actually come to me. um, And I answered it on Monday, but I wanted to get your opinion on this. And he he asked me about some of these, these contracts you have. And specifically, he asked about... Uh, Will Myers and Eric Hosmer. He said, "Is there a chance that the Padres try to move one of these guys, and even package a prospect to do it? And if you do that, which of the top four prospects are you willing to give away?" And he offered Mackenzie Gore, which I shut that right down. Mm. Not happening there. But like, what do you do with these two giant contracts? Because the team salary was the payroll was into the luxury tax last year you passed the 170 threshold for the CBT. So like, what do you do with that? Mm.
1: It is one of the questions I've struggled with too, because as you know, uh, I have a rule on my podcast where I do not say the first baseman's name uh, because it is a curse name. It is one of the, most maligned players in the sport, I think in terms of its own fan base, not the most maligned. There are some other nefarious characters out there in baseball for sure. But in terms of just its own fan base, I mean, you'd be it's hard pressed to find another one that is uh, hated as much as him. Um, But even that all being said, I am just having, especially with the current state of the Padres farm system, which for years was like the best in history, some mm-hmm. really said. And it's still got some talent in it. It's still got those four golden eggs with Abrams, with Campizano, with Gore, with Robert Hassel, who seems to be climbing even higher in the rankings as the days pass. Right. But yep. I just don't know if I want to sacrifice that depth to get rid of a guy and basically get nothing in return. I know that he's been a minus. But you have to just hope that maybe he'll give you a 1 F4 or a 1.5 F4. And on top of that, his salary does go down by a little bit next season. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about the salary thing. I, th- I believe it dropped uh, next season was a more front loaded contract. And on top of that, I alluded to this earlier, uh, Will Myers will be able to come off the books too. He has a $20 million team option uh, after this season. So that's $27 million heading into next season. Because uh, the Padres are definitely, unless Will Myers comes out, it looks like Otani, they are not picking up that option. You know what I'm saying? especially (laughs) So that shouldn't be expected. Maybe they'll re-sign him or something like that, but they will not pick up the current contract option. I don't think so. If you look at it from that perspective, there's still some malleability there. Depleting your farm system, I've always felt, and I imagine you agree as well, it's not necessarily because I think Mackenzie Gore is the next Clayton Kershaw. It's not necessarily because I think that CJ Abrams is the next, I don't know, Trey Turner, Right. It's tatis. more that I like to be able or the next tattoos that's a better one, right? Uh it's because I like to be able to move around and farm system pieces, whether or not you think they're gonna be good or not, that flexibility is key. What if next year I know that fans will like think this no will never happen? What are you talking about? Because fans are a prisoner of the moment. And in fairness, I can be too. Where it's like, well, what if Joe Musgrove all of a sudden isn't as good as we thought? Or what if Jake Cronenworth? isn't as good as we thought. That's a better one to actually bring out. What if he comes out and we're like, oh man, he hit 220 this year with a 310 on base and only hit eight home runs or whatever the heck, right? Like he just falls apart and we're like, maybe this guy isn't that good. You know, what feels really nice having CJ Abrams there. That way, you know, well, we have this guy and he's a top prospect for a reason. So I think it's that malleability, the ability to move around, which is why I would not attach a prospect. The only thing I could see is something that was floated by the athletic uh, a few months back, which was, Mm -hmm. I think written about it was a mailbag uh, that Dennis Lynn wrote about that someone said, you know, Padres first baseman and a prospect like Campizano, maybe someone less I'd rather give up, maybe an, an Elliot, maybe a gasser or something along those lines, a little bit lower in the system for Jason Hayward of the shadow Cubs, where you'd be getting a guy who can at least somewhat play outfield for you. Padres do have an outfield problem. You don't get rid of your albatross contract issue, but at least you kind of get rid of the, the outfield depth issue and you're at least like, all right, at least this is a plus in some form, right? Then you move Cronenworth over to first. Then you have the Hassan Kim thing. Then you have Tatiza. It at least feels like, all right, let's have the bad contract with a position that we actually need versus one that we literally don't. And compared to the rest of baseball, I mean, what you're supposed to get out of your first baseman is quite a lot of power. You know, that's the guy who's supposed to be raking and stuff that does not happen with their current first baseman. So that one maybe makes sense. And then maybe if you could somehow ship them off to a dub team, right? Like the Royals. If the Royals are like, that's what I said to do.
0: I was like, listen, (laughs) wait till the trade debt. Like, let them play as much as they can. Wait till the trade. As soon as they look good, be like, available for trade. We'll give them to you for almost nothing. And I keep pointing out to people like, Eddie Rosario went to the Braves last year for like Eddie Rosario and money for Pablo Sandoval. Like, you could give away a bad contract at the deadline.
1: If the guy can do something, anything. And so, like, just hey,
0: hoist them on somebody hey, the Royals bad. I just
1: want to do that, man. The Royals could do that, and I don't care what we get in return, but maybe they're, like, selling people on the guy who helped win them a World Series. Or the Rockies these days, they don't quite know what they're doing. Go ship <laughs> him up to the Rockies. Why not? Come I mean, on, they, Dick Montfort. Hey, yeah, he'll do great. He'll start lifting the ball on Coors Field. You know what I'm saying? So that's what you have to count on. But if that's what you have to count on, that means I think you're in a little bit of bad shape. I think that it would have been easier to trade him after 2020 because after 2020, he didn't play as much. Yes, but he showed signs that he was lifting the ball into the air. Highest launch angle of his career. So I think there was a chance at that point. But uh, nowadays, it's like I just I'm at the point where I think we just got to live with it, guys, and hope that you boost the rest of the team to the point where you can outweigh that part. I'm pretty sure that there's they're not the only team in MLB history that has been a contender despite having one kind of eh player on their team. We just talked about Jason Hayward. The Cubs won a World Series. Hayward was not like – yeah, he had the – remember how they said he had like the greatest speech in history? Oh, yeah, like the, yeah. Fired everybody was up like, and, oh, and like, like that was the changed. turning <laughs> point of
0: the whole series was a speech in the clubhouse.
1: Yeah. What if our guy does that? I don't know. I mean, they say he's a great locker room presence and I really do believe that, but especially from people I've heard behind the scenes, they're like, yeah, he really is like a great guy in the locker room. The only problem is Padres fans. They don't see it. You know what I'm saying? They don't yeah. see it. He doesn't show anything really when it comes to on the field, when it comes to talking to press afterwards. So they're just relying on hearing from media and reports. Uh, but Hey, maybe he does that. Who knows? That would be, that would be a lot of fun, but yeah, it's an answer. That was a long, Winted way of answering. It. I just think you can't do it, man. You can't do it. You just can't do it. You gotta, you gotta stick with your guns.
0: I agree with you. And I want to qu- take a real quick little sidebar. Jason Hayward for being six, 240 pounds. How does he own? How does he not hit as many, home, like any home runs? And I've he seen him like, like, at batting year, practice. Right? I've seen him in spring training crush. Home, like, but like, no, he just doesn't do it. And I'm like, how are you that big? and not hit home
1: runs. Jason Hayward, one of the more confounding prospects like that, who ended up having a solid major league career. It's just, he be, he was like an average hitter to start. He had a season where I think he hit like 28 bombs. And that was the high, the height he 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 had, he had 27 in
0: 2012.
1: Yeah. 27. Okay. Um, And then after that, he just became a solid hitter, not for power and then played great defense. I think he had like two, five war seasons. And then he signs the contract, with the Cubs and then he becomes like a bench player. It's like one of the weirder, weirder players uh, that I can remember. I'm trying to think if there's been a weirder like arc for a player, honestly, that I've ever seen where it was a late growth, then a, a, then a big growth then a back down. It's just all over the place. And now I, but then it didn't end up mattering for the team that did take the chance on him. That's the other part. It didn't matter. The Cubs won their world series. So it didn't matter.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and one of the World Series is where it all comes down to. Um, but like talking about growth, talking about things that matter, um, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. So I start taking athletic greens because I have a dietary concern and, and I, you know, I can't like I'm celiac. I can't eat gluten and people who are celiac like me, like we struggle to, to absorb enough iron uh, vitamins, things like that. I've been on it now um, for weeks and I, I feel better than I've ever felt. So like it's one scoop of athletic greens In 12 ounces of water in the morning, you're getting 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, like all of that to start your day right. Um, Helps your, your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus. It's fantastic. So like first thing I do every morning, I let the dog out. I drink the athletic greens on the back porch, come inside, start my coffee. Cost you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health. So. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially as we head into the flu and cold season. So it's one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs on your, with your first purchase. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash MLBnetwork. Again, athleticgreens.com slash MLBnetwork to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, I feel like if I do a show with you and I don't talk about some of the other prospects, I feel like I'm letting the people down. Like they probably saw the prospect guy come on last time. And they're like, oh yeah, great. And then we talked about Mackenzie Gore for 30 <laughs> minutes. So I there's a couple guys in your system that I've been watching that I'm kind of interested in. Um, one of them is a, a top 10 guy, but the rest of them are a little bit farther down in the system. And I just kind of wanted to talk to some of the, the Padres listeners and tell them, pay attention to these guys. I'm kind of excited about what they're going to do and, and some of their potential. Um, so first one, S- James Wood, the outfielder. Uh, number five in your system. And, and he's a guy, massive, massive human being. Talking about Jason Hayward. No, six seven two forty, and like despite that, he's playing center field. So, high school guy, second round, 62 overall, and went to the Arizona Complex League for Rookie Ball last year, 372, 465, 535. Great power, great athleticism. He's actually uh, K- Kenny Wood's son, the former college basketball player, um, but absurd, ridiculous power, plus plus raw power. Um, and like he strikes out a little bit, but he's also 19 years old in professional baseball for the first time. Um, he has a chance to be an average to above average hitter, but again, that power is just ridiculous. And then defensively, re- really smooth, um, can can run, has good reads, good routes, good reactions, and so I mean, could stick at center field. Probably going to end up in right field eventually. Uh, does have a good arm, but it's something where. Everybody who says he's going to go to right field, I think they see him at 6'7", and they're like, oh, you're Aaron Judge. You're going to go to right field. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think he can do it. I think he can play center, but we'll find out more. But either way, he's going to be at low A this year. I mean, he's got like 30, 35 homewards in a season potential, middle of the lineup protection for Tatis and Abrams. Like, be excited about this kid.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that... This is where it gets fun, right? Where I think that we we just spent a lot of time talking about the four guys at the top of the the system who are like truly like those are the type of guys that if you saw them in a trade with another team and be like, oh boy, like either the Padres got rid of their first baseman, this is what it took, or they're trading for Brian Reynolds or something like that, right? right? Um, and then you have these back end pieces where I'm like, I don't know, man, maybe in the next coming years, because my attitude about this has been um, not to do another Yankees analogy on a podcast where people get mad at me that I used to be Yankees fan but that farm system wasn't viewed that highly uh based on what I had been reading for until recently when Anthony Volpe broke out right and some other guys and it was like oh my god like yeah the Yankees actually have a nice solid farm system over there they didn't trade and mortgage the entire future so who knows if Wood who knows if Gasser Biel Angeles, whoever, right? Like if these type of prospects that they have that in the coming years that they're maybe at least in like top 100 type of MLB prospects, who knows? I don't know exactly if that's their upside, but granted, like you just said, um, they are still young. Um, and there's going to be some time needed for development. So they aren't guys to be expected to aid the major league club right now, but I don't know, man, it's exciting. And it's giving me optimism that they can at least start to rebuild and resemble a solid farm system because why? Well, and I also don't really trust them with developing pitching, but I do <laughs> trust them with developing all these other things, you know what I'm saying? Because lately, oh man, it has not been good for pitching. Oh
0: uh, yeah. And speaking of the next couple guys I had were actually pitchers. <laughs> I was excited <laughs> to see what they did with. So that's, that's perfect timing to throw that out there. I love that. Um, no, uh, the next one I was, I was thinking about uh, right-hand pitcher, he framed Contreras. So he was an international mm-hmm. free agent um, out of, the Mexican league in 2017 um, made his pro debut in 2019 in the low, in the low A Midwest uh, top 10 in strikeouts um, mm-hmm. ended up at the end of instructional league in 2020. He had TJ. So mm. out for a little bit there with, with, the, with the Tommy John, despite that they added him to the 40 man roster in November. So they believe in him 24th you know, prospect in the system. He's on the 40 cause they think he can do it. And, Before he went down, he was one of those guys where you saw him as a good, you know, four to five, probably, maybe a number three. But he's got three good pitches he can throw for strikes, a 92-95-an-hour fastball. He's got a a curveball and above-average change. And so nothing stands out as like, oh, my God, this is amazing, but three above-average pitches, and he can mix them all. He can command them all, and and it works out really well. Fastball can get some carry up in the zone. Curveball has got a lot of big break to it. Um, and so he's a guy where he'll be 22 on opening day. Uh, he's got some time to work to kind of rebuild where he is. He's already on the 40-man roster. And so in the next probably you know two to three years, you can see him hopefully developing in this vaunted Padres pitching development system um, <laughs> and making a contribution at the big league level. But uh, a lot to like from a Fray Contreras.
1: Yeah, I mean that's a name that I haven't necessarily heard before either, and that's what's so exciting. I love hearing names that I haven't really heard as much before. I love the fact that I actually somewhat care about prospects more these <laughs> days, just because it's kind of fun to be like, oh yeah, this guy's developing as something. It's like when you build like a like an army in an RPG, and you're like, oh, this one swordsman is leveling up at a decent rate. You know what I mean? He's gonna be a good piece and whatnot. And I I have been able to still keep in touch with the fact that it's like, if someone offered me Brian Reynolds, and they were like, hey. All we want see, CJ Abrams. Like, I'm able to be like, all right, guys, four years of control for a position we need. You can't just dismiss yeah. that for the upside yeah. of a player, right? Yeah, you do that. I'm um, sorry. You do that. But it's still really, really fun to talk about all these guys. And, you know, I, I, I you mentioned, like, the vaunted Padres development. I will say, with bringing in Ruben Niebla, at least it feels like the team knows that. And they're like, okay, Something's wrong here because Larry Rothschild left and Blake Snell looked like specifically World Series Game 6 Blake Snell, but for an entire month. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, he looked at an entire month. It was unbelievable. He just ditched the curveball, fastball slider. Nobody could touch him. Highest strikeout um, strikeout rate among all-starring pitchers in baseball in August. And it was like, what? And then you bring in Ruben Yabla, who I've joked about this a lot on my podcast, where it's like, that guy seems, with the Cleveland uh, Now Guardians, he just turned a a bag of potato chips into a a Cy Young winner. He seems to do that every time. I didn't know who the heck Zach Plesak was (laughs) pre-2020. He's apparently really good. I didn't know who Shane Bieber was heading into uh, 2019. He's like a Cy Young guy, you know what I mean? And then we have, um, who I made fun of in a mean tweet with Tristan McKenzie. I feel really bad about it. It's I like, like, McKinsey. like I like him too. And I felt really bad. It was like one of those things where I let the, the thrill of fun, ha- having a funny joke where he pointed at his veins and it was like ice in his veins. And I took that and put his st- pitching line for the day, which was like two innings, eight runs. Oh, <laughs> And it was,
0: and it was oh. really mean.
1: And I really do apologize about it because I like the guy. He seems so cool. Tristan McKenzie, if you're <laughs> listening
0: to this show right now, we are sorry. Javier <laughs> Reyes I'm is sorry he made fun of you on Twitter.
1: It was like, That was a great example of, like, don't chase the likes, guys, because sometimes you go after someone that doesn't deserve it. Use it against a a politician you don't like or something. Not this friendly lad who's just, God forbid, trying to make baseball kind of interesting and have a personality. Okay, so um,
0: while we're apologizing to guys, I'm going to apologize to Marcus Stroman. I don't know what I said. I think it was when he was – I had him on my fantasy team last year, and I think when he got hurt, (laughs) I think I made a tweet about – You could make the best rotation in baseball out of hurt pitchers. And I put his name in there. I think that was it. But either way, he's blocked me on Twitter. (laughs) And it bothers me more than it should. As somebody who gets paid to cover baseball, I can't look at Marcus Stroman's tweets. Marcus (laughs) Stroman, I'm sorry. Unblock me, please.
1: In fairness, he has blocked quite a lot of people. That's what I've heard. He's not in like the... Who's the other like famous athlete that I think Ben Roethlisberger blocks everybody on Twitter. Uh, to, it, he blocks so many people that no, most people forget he has a Twitter. <laughs> but that's yeah. where, where it gets down. I, to. I remember like seeing it. It's like Ben big And then there's only like one person that I follow that's following him. Like that says a lot. Right. Um, but yeah, Marcus Stroman, you, you're blocking everybody, man. Chill out. Stop yeah. it. I mean, I haven't been blocked yet because I've never tweeted about him. I think he does name searching too. So that's oh, not- wow. That
0: doesn't help. Dude, just get off Twitter, man. Yeah. Uh, somebody who's probably not on Twitter, who's actually paying attention to what he does. Uh, last guy I want to tell you about. Uh, left-hand pitcher Noel Vela. So 25th overall prospect. The, and I, the reason I wanted to bring him up is his line looks awful. And I wanted to tell you he's better than his line. So his line,
1: okay.
0: uh, 88 innings pitched, 1-11 and with a 390 ERA and 107 strikeouts. So his line looks really bad. Uh, but he's a guy, um, he, 28th round pick in 2017. Like that round doesn't even exist anymore, okay? Um, he's got like an above average fastball, sits 95. He can throw it really high for strikes. But what I love is he's got like probably the best curve in the entire mm-hmm. Padres farm system. It's, it's one of those one to seven curves, uh, just Absolute massive break to it. Um, kind of a hammer pitch. He can mess around with it if you if you if you're sitting on the curveball, he can make it drop lower than it did the last time he threw it. Wonderful curve. Uh, also has a good changeup. It's above average. He can play well with the fastball. And so, like I don't I, I think it controls the issue why his his numbers were so low. But like lefties bat 135 against him. Righties were batting like just over 200 against him. And so. Mm-hmm. The numbers look, again, awful there in, you know, between low A and high A, but he got 11 strikeouts per nine innings and he's got good stuff. If he can figure out how to control it, he's going to be able to contribute. Um, He's going to be a double A San Antonio this year. uh, So hopefully, you you know, if he has a good season, you can expect maybe sometime next year he gets to uh, move up triple A, maybe even help out the big league team some. But a guy that I just, it's a, I love that curve. And, and whenever you have one, one, tool one pitch that is fantastic you have a chance and he's a guy I think you have a chance just based on how good that curveball is
1: hey I like it man I like it man um definitely I think this Padres system it's not I wish that they had a little bit more outfielders uh that we were excited about aside from maybe a Robert Hassel I I know we talked about Wood but that were a little bit more immediate uh, I think but nonetheless um I think that even despite the fact that they've struggled to develop pitchers, at least it's like you still see that there's guys in there. You know what I'm saying? And like I said with Niebla, hopefully he can be good. He turned a former Padres guy who was literally traded because he was just supposed to be a guy who ate innings, I guess,
0: mm-hmm. into
1: two two time a uh, Cy Young winner and Corey Klooper. Awesome stuff. So maybe uh we'll see that um happening. Maybe they're grooming him by the way to be the next uh manager. We'll have to see what happens. But um yeah I'm excited for it and I wonder uh, what the Padres system will look about, look like in a year from now, um, and I guess the last question I have for you is just one sentence since it, it, we did start out with it, just to get Padres fans excited one more time. What just what is the ceiling of CJ Abrams? Do you think
0: all star, perennial all star, and one of the faces of baseball?
1: Wow! Oh yeah. That's the stuff, man. Heck yeah, man. Oh, that's killer. I love it. I love it so much. This is great. This is great. See, the Padres, it's not that they're bad. It's just that the Dodgers and Giants have been really good. And that's, I, I you honestly, you know have two
0: what? teams that won over 100 games in your division yeah. last year. That's not fair. <laughs>
1: yeah, It's not fair, man. And you know what? My thing is this. It's okay. I like hiding under the radar. You know what I mean? I like it. You know who was in the spotlight for the longest time and never came through? The Los Angeles Dodgers, it's a good truncated season for them to win. So, you know what? Let's cool. Let's sneak around. You know what I mean? Let's sneak around the the areas and whatnot. And then <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll pop up out of nowhere. I'm just saying, guys, every year there's a team that makes the playoffs that falls out of it, usually. Last year's the Twins, right? That was a the team. They everyone, there Ooh. were people that were excited about them. Yeah. Uh, who was it? Everyone just chalked up uh, the Mets to win their division. Nope. <laughs> that did not happen. So, just saying. Stranger things have happened. The Padres still have a lot of cool stuff, even if I don't think they're going to hit a lot of home runs this year. But nonetheless, I'm still excited.
0: So if uh, listeners of Locked On MLB Prospects want to follow the Padres this year, where can they find you? Where can they find the show? Where can they find your stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. At Peno on Twitter is my account, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, for all sorts of dumb thoughts on various things, uh, jokes, all sorts of stuff and baseball talk, but exclusively baseball talk at LO underscore Padres. Uh, I've been very much enjoying reacting to the social media videos that the team has been posting of the team players reacting to questions and whatnot, like the hot dog sandwich, cutting your sandwiches into triangles or square. That's been a lot of fun. And then lockdown Padres, the podcast everywhere podcasts, you find them and lockdown Padres on YouTube uh, to see me and my lately, my uniform. I-, I love wearing the double yellow. That's just been my thing lately. So you can check that out uh, for sure.
0: And for Padres folks listening, uh, I am on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. And you can email your questions, lockedonmlbprospects at gmail.com. We do mailbags just about every single Monday. So we'll definitely get to those. And you heard uh, one of our questions about some dumping some contracts came from one of my mailbags last week. So sit, send those over. Avi, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. It's
1: been a blast, man. Uh, we're doing fun.